Um, and so this isn't a place I visit, it's a place I live. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. me actually incorporating this process and this mindset into my life. It's not a diet, it's me learning how to live healthy in a way because there's sustainability yes. to, to sustained investment and incremental change. We're not gonna be able to flip this thing in an afternoon. We didn't get here in an afternoon. We're not gonna change it in an afternoon, but we're never gonna change it if we don't face it and we don't take the long walk to freedom. Mocha Mamas is a candid conversation led by two moms of color about race, culture, justice, and social change. We believe that there is power and value when a variety of voices come together to engage in this very important conversation. So no matter what your experience or background may be, there's a place for you at Mocha Mamas. All we ask is that you come ready to learn and that you are always respectful of others. We hope you're ready because the conversation starts now. Welcome back to Mocha Mamas. I am Inez, your Mocha Mamas host. Uh, On our last episode, we had Julian Newman here, and we are still here discussing. uh, We're doing a second part to that discussion. He's sitting in for Christy, and so we're going to continue our conversation on Ahmad Arbery. And thank you, Julian, for being willing to continue this conversation with me and take it to another episode. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, I'm just saying, hey, uh, thank you for thank you for thank you for letting me be on the Mocha Mama. Yes, show. that's what you were supposed to say. You missed your yes, cue. I missed <laughs> my cue. Dang, man. See, that's why I, I can only be like a pinch. I, I can only be a substitute because no, yes. a I'm not a Mocha Mama, and two, <laughs> I missed my cue. Yes, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So, um. We are going to, like I said, we're going to continue this conversation about Ahmad Arbery. Uh, I want to talk with Julian about a piece that he wrote. It was um, a, a lament for Ahmad Arbery. And Julian, I mean, you can share anything that you want out of that article, but I, I do want to talk about the six actions of invalidation. We, we started to touch on this in the last episode of, you know, how people have their different um, issues with the story or there's different, there's some controversy around it and people want to kind of pick at certain details, uh, even uh, not even not even just the, the video that has since emerged of him going into the house. Of course, people are bringing that up. They're bringing up some past criminal behavior or alleged criminal activity that he has had Uh, but even things I've seen people want to question why are we calling this a lynching and um, well he wasn't actually jogging why do we why are we calling this a racist act there's all these things that people are bringing up and all of those controversies and we could talk about some of them if we want to explain any of them feel free to jump in and do that but all of these fit into the descriptions of what you talk about in that piece about the, where you talk about the six 
actions of invalidation, which are deflection, diminishment, delusion, devaluation, demonizing, and destruction. Absolutely. So here's the thing. The first thing I would just say is, um, you know, the definition of lynching um, is a mob to kill someone um, for an alleged offense without a legal trial, um, especially by hanging. Now, one of some of the reasons why people say, well, you know, we have the iconography of the past where we see, you know, black families or black men hanging from trees. Um, you know, the, the, the historical song, you know, Strange Fruit. Um, that was um, that was sung by Billie Holiday. That um, was such a seminal um, and powerful song. It actually uh, put her on uh, the the radar um, for the government um, to take her down. It was it's an amazing story. Um, Billie Holiday, wow. "Strange Fruit." There's an extraordinary backstory in relation to that. But we don't want to face that. We don't want to call it that, even though two men took it upon themselves in the name of citizen arresting to apprehend and then later on kill a unarmed black man in the street. And so here's the thing that we have to sit there and recognize and realize that we um, will say, hey, he was in the house. Um, hey, I don't know. Was he really jogging? Um, did he take anything? Um, you know, he kind of he might have brought it on himself. But again, it's the way that we perceive. So criminality is extended to some, and one mm -hmm. sin means everybody is a sinner, or one mistake I made impugns me for all life. So the fact of the matter is, right. um, he does have an, a criminal record. Um, he does, uh, he did bring, I believe, uh, uh, a gun into a high school basketball or high school cool. event at 19 years old. Yeah. Um, he was, he did have a shoplifting charge um, that was connected to, you know, connected to him. You know, I I'll say this, I've shoplifted before. Okay. Now it's been a long time. Hi. And, you know, I think the statute of limitations has passed and my parents, hopefully they're not listening to this podcast, but <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. And that I was, I would ask, you know, all of your listeners, have you ever committed a crime? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever taken a candy bar? Have you ever? And so did that event, the candy bar you took, the situation where you might have, uh, you know, looked over at your, your classmates paper during the final, right. did that impugn the rest of your life? So you see yourself as a good person um, even though you committed a crime or you cheated or you did whatever. And so the reality is, I think sometimes we see ourselves as like holier than thou, the thou being the other and recognize uh -huh. and forgetting, um, our pockmark history that we have, uh, walked out in our journey. And so, um, you know, we look at this situation and say, well, you know, you, you brought it on yourself. So if you're a black person, criminality is assigned to you. Um, if you are a brown person, criminality is assigned to you. Um, but if you're a white person who's committed a crime, you are singularly a criminal. So mm -hmm. um, you looked in a house, you trespassed, so to speak. Um, you, you may have uh, uh, been somewhere that you shouldn't have been and you ran down the street and you were killed in the street. 
as a result of that mistake, if indeed it was a mistake or a breaking of the law. Compare that to um, uh, our uh, Dylan Roof, who goes into a church where nine black people are worshiping and praying. Right. He kills them in the church and then gets safely to, uh, you know, uh, he's Mm. safely incarcerated. And so how many times have we had white shooters walk away and they safely get to where they're supposed to be? And so there Mm -hmm. is this criminality assigned to some groups and not other groups. And so we have to understand our own bias, even as we perceive the situation. And so as we look at this and go, okay, well, the reason why this happened is because maybe it's our bias talking and it speaks to some of the stuff that we're discussing in terms of the invalidation points that I rec- that I referenced um, in, in my piece here. And, and you said, you know, there's six of them and I'll just quickly go through. The first one is deflection. And when you deflect, um, so the issue is uh, uh, racism is the topic of the issue. And so the person will, def- the first thing that I reference is deflection. So you're going to flip it and make it about something else. And so someone will say something like, why do you have to make everything about race? I mean, if we just stop talking about it, um, it would just go away. What about <laughs> reverse racism? Um, what about, you know, so they're going to deflect it. So they're going to make the thing something else. Okay, so the thing that we're talking about now morphs and goes into something else without really addressing the issue. Another thing that we do is we diminish. We minimize the impact of the incident or issue. We'll say you'll hear somebody say something like, OK, come on. You know, did not we have a black president? Um, didn't, you know, Dr. King march? Um, didn't we have, you know, I have a dream speech. Uh, my goodness. Um, you know, LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey. You know, I mean, there, there's people doing stuff. If we just, you know, uh, um, you know, slavery has happened so long ago. Can you just get over it? Mm-hmm. So we diminish and then we dilute. And so what happens is we we take the issue, but we make it bigger. We make it larger. We expand it. So, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or let's accentuate, you know, the reality of black people that are unarmed, that are losing their lives. You know, let's not talk about Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about all lives mattering. Let's talk about blue lives mattering. Um, you know what? What about those slavery, slavery in I- Ireland? You know, can we talk about <laughs> Irish slaves? Um, can we talk about black on black? What about black on black crime? You know, what about those shootings in Chicago? If we want to do something about it, why don't we go to Chicago and do something about that? And so, again, it's taking the issue and stretching the issue and diluting the issue by including other things that are not relevant. Another thing we do is we devalue. We question the credibility of the story or the storyteller by magnifying and illustrating humanity's goodness and making absurdity a thing. So people will say something like, you know, know, I mean, come on, man, it's 2020. Are you telling me that we haven't made progress, that we're still being discriminated against? Um, you know, Hey, I don't even see color, you know, it doesn't matter if you're purple, blue, polka dotted. And so there's this phrase, the polka dot, the purple, the blue, the yellow, we're devaluing. The last thing, um, that we do is de-demonize and we, we, um, we destroy, we demonize by saying, well, they had a criminal record. 
Do you know their past? Do you know who they're connected to? The fact that I'm a have a criminal record does not mean that I'm then I deserve to die execution style in the street. And then the other thing is we eliminate people from the dialogue and we say stuff like, well, you know what, if you don't like it, man, forget all that. If you don't like it, man, go back to Africa. Why don't you go back to Mexico? Why don't you go back to China? You know, why, why don't you go back, you know, to Iraq or, you know, the Middle East, go back to your people. And so we do those things. And when we do those six actions, we've not dealt with the issue. What we've done is we've eliminated the conversation and we can't go forward. It goes back to what I think we talked about um, um, in the last issue. I mean, the la our last um, uh, conversation in, in, in part one, we talked about, um, you know, us versus them. And right. so if I have an us versus them, if I eradicate and I erase your perspective, I've won. I feel better about myself, but the problem still remains. And in fact, I've probably broken relationship in the process. And you're not going to be able mm -hmm. to share your heart with me again. Yeah, you're listing all these things that I can, I mean, I can just rattle off so many different times that people have done this in conversation with me and um, people that I, I know well, people that I gone to church with, people that are members of my family. You know, these are quote unquote good people. Why do they have, why do they feel the need to invalidate Ahmad's story and similar experiences of, of the, in this case, we are specifically talking about the Black community and the experiences of Black Americans with racism? I think we invalidate because it's easier to and validate rather than face it. It's too ugly. Um, it makes me think about myself. It's like having a, um, it's like family dinner, you know, have a family dinner, everybody's eating. Uh, they've got the German chocolate cake. They got the sweet potato pie, you know, the, the cranberry and the turkey and whatever. And we have a family member who has sexually abused people in the family. So this uncle is present and everybody knows this is what they've done, but nobody's addressing the issue. Nobody wants to sit there and deal with the elephant in the room by way of the uncle. And there's lots of reasons why we don't talk about it. There's a lot of reasons why we don't address it. We just pretend it's not there. We pretend it's not present. And, and, and so by pretending, I don't have to face the pain but by ignoring it, I never solve the problem. I never resolve the issue. I never get healing. And so America does that often. I can invalidate, I can justify, I can find a loophole, but I never can heal it, which is why we keep having the same conversation. Um, and I reference in my piece, you know, when Rodney King, you know, the riots happened in LA, Mm -hmm. After this man in 19, was it 1991 or 92, um, was beaten on tape, mm -hmm. four police officers, Simi Valley jury, um, uh, uh, acquitted these people. We saw what they did on tape and we said, oh, they acquitted them. And so it's like, hold up, that was 28 years ago. And here we are having a similar conversation. Hundreds of years ago, we were having similar conversations. When is America going to actually face the thing, face the uncle that's sitting at the table 
and actually heal the issue that we've been wrestling with. We don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. It's too ugly. Mm -hmm. So we try to ignore it. And we do it by invalidating the stories and experiences of other people. And what happens is those that have experienced these things, we don't want to bring it to the table because we won't be believed. You know, I was sitting mm -hmm. there um, thinking about a situation that happened to me years and years ago um, where I was out on a run. And um, I, I just moved from the West Coast to the, the Midwest. Um, and racism for me was something I was aware of that I experienced. But I experienced it um, as, um, you know, as an episode, you know, I live in a very mm -hmm. diverse world. Racism was an episode. Um, the po police issues were episodes. I, I have stories I could tell about that, but it wasn't a day-to-day -day thing. Um, my dad lived in the segregated South, so he could tell you stories about what's going on in Alabama. You know, he was in Mobile, Alabama, crazy stuff that was going on with he and, uh, you know, my extended family, uncles and what have you. Um, it was historical. You know, it happened in the past. So it was geographic. It was historical. It was an episode. I moved to the Midwest. It was a part of my life on a regular basis. My my little girls that were in kindergarten, first, you know, second grade as they were going up, were experiencing real racism in your face from students, from um, other families, teachers and administrators. Blew my mind. I didn't know that we were still doing that type of thing. And so I began to try to advocate for my daughters. I began to do different things, make connections, do that, and 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 challenge the status quo. And so one day when I was out on a run, and I don't know if this is connected, this just happened. I just will say this on the Mocha Mamas podcast um, because I know we've been doing this confessional thing today. Um, but um, I was running. And I was in a bike lane that was no sidewalk. Uh, this this neighborhood um, and this community was probably 99% Caucasian. Um, you know, school district, everything. So I'm running, I'm doing my thing. And there's a car that comes at me, crosses over the, the lane and comes into the bike lane and is coming straight at me. Now, this is happening 40 miles per hour or so. This car is coming at me, and I'm shocked, okay? And I jump out of the way, and the car doesn't hit me, and I hit the back of the car as it speeds by. Now, the person in the car didn't jerk out and, and, and look at, oh, man, I almost hit somebody they just kept driving in the bike lane and then they just took off. Now, to me, that was a very intentional act. You don't cross a lane, go in the bike lane, go at somebody, they, they hit your car and you just keep driving. If you did it accidentally, if I almost hit somebody accidentally in a bike lane that was running, um, I would stop and say, are you okay? I'm so very sorry. But it was one of those things where I think they were trying to scare me. I think I was a black guy um, in a, the wrong neighborhood and they wanted to let me know. Um, it's like something I saw very recently where yeah. uh, a man in Oklahoma, a truck driver was boxed in. They wouldn't let him out. Um, and he was just making deliveries because he was in the wrong yes, neighborhood. Yes, I saw that. And so it's like, um, 
I remember after the, the, the guy, you know, drove by and did the whole thing. I was so, I was furious. I took my shirt off and I ran through this um, all white neighborhood um, as a shirtless black man and running through. Now, I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do, but that's yeah. what I did that day. Now, if yeah. I share that story and here I am sharing it on the Mocha Mamas podcast, maybe we should call this confessionals today, but there were people that say, no, nah, that, that didn't happen that way. No, that's that. I mean, come on, man. Really? Um, there's all these things to find a loophole so I don't face the issue. Because if I face the issue, I'm going to have to look at a thing that's ugly and I don't want to deal with that. And so I think that's why people invalidate. And I think that's why good people invalidate. And I think that's why good people say, well, racism is a person in a clan hood, a person with a Confederate flag, a noose. Uh, a Nazi swastika tattooed on their chest or their forehead. But the most lethal forms of racism are not the dudes with swastikas or Confederate flags or nooses or crazy stuff or a part of militias. They're like regular people that won't face the issue. And by their silence, they perpetuate the problem. You know, I, we talked about Dr. King. Dr. King had a quote, and I'm prob I'm not getting this completely right. But he was saying the issue isn't the uh, the 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 um, the volume of um, our enemies; it's the silence of our friends. And so we have to not be silent, and we have to take a step moving forward. We have to understand that it's not just about us; it's about all of us. And perhaps if we band together, we can make, uh, we can create a different future. Yeah, that, um, thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for your confession. Um, <laughs> that was, I think we've talked about in the other episode about the empathy and connecting with each other's human suffering and um I'm reminded of that as you were talking about the quote that you just quoted of um, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I have this book sitting right here. Um, it's called Stay Woke. It's a really good book. I use it like a dictionary. <laughs> it just, ha I mean, it really defines, um, it defines really well, just all kinds of terms uh, related to, to race and racism. And um so when I was reminded when you said that quote, it says here that white supremacy depends on whites socializing each other not to empathize fully with people of color. This emotional disconnect helps legitimize and prevent a critique of the racial status quo. And I think that that is so true and that when we participate in invalidation I think people don't realize that what you're doing, you may not, like you, you said, like you may not be uh, waving your Confederate flag or, or what have you, but you are contributing to that when you don't speak up and speak out, when you don't choose to be anti-racist. Absolutely. And, and I think, I think a part of it is, um, I think part of it also is a reality that we don't understand what white supremacy is. You know, white supremacy is um, the ideology, <clears throat> excuse me, the ideology that says white is better. 
Now, if you're an American, you live in America, yes. you've been you've lived in a white supremacist society. Yes. And so that means that white is right. It is the standard in which everything else is measured and judged. Doesn't make me a white supremacist, but it does mean that we've been in a, a white supremacist society that says different things. And so how do I use my access um, as a person of privilege to be able to help other people? I have daughters, you know that. Um, and there are things about their experience that they've been able to teach me about mm -hmm. my privilege as being a man that it's like, you know what, I need to listen to that. You know, I, that has not been my experience. Um, help me um, to understand. And so there are times where I have to be quiet and listen so I can learn and then I can grow. And I, and I have, um, uh, I have, I have grown by being quiet. And I think that's really important as we go forward in terms of trying to create an atmosphere for all of us, not just some of us. That's a really powerful statement right there. I've grown from being silent. And I, yeah, that's powerful. That's something that is really difficult for people to do. Um, so right now we're seeing that there's a lot of, of white people um, who now, because of the Ahmaud Arbery story, uh, they're feeling this rage, uh, they're feeling this need to join the cause of fighting racism. And I don't think that that's a bad thing whatsoever. Um, we need that. We need more people that are committed to it. I've heard different leaders in this arena say that white people should, should listen and learn, be silent for all. Do you think that there needs to be some type of a, a, a period of time? And is there a specific period of time where white people just sit, be quiet, listen, don't take up this cause yeah. verbally? Here's what I think. I mean, I don't know if there is, um, you know, I don't know if, if I want to ascribe to or sign up for the incubator police. Like, you know what, if you, um, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta be quiet for X amount of days before you can do or say anything. Um, you have, I don't know if we have to be that dogmatic, but I do think mm -hmm. that if I'm in a position of supremacy, if I'm in a position, if, I, if the way the society's built, I'm in the front of the line, then I have to learn. I have to move from the front of the line and I have to become a follower. So like when I talk about my daughters, they have to lead and I have to follow. And that takes humility right. for me as the dad um, to say, oh, wait a minute, I don't know. You have, you have knowledge, that, you have an experience, you've got knowledge, you've got a perspective that I need that I mm -hmm. don't have. Because mm -hmm. privilege blinds those that possess it. So me as a man, because I'm privileged, I'm at the front of the line. There's things that I don't see. There's things that I don't know. There's things that I haven't experienced. And so there's others that don't have privilege, but because they, they don't have it, they have an expanded perspective. So I have right. to lean on their perspective and I have to invest my privilege to empower them going forward. And so as a person, a white person that wants to get on, get be down, the way that you get, get on board is you become a follower. There's too many people that, you know, 
have read a book or they've gone to a documentary showing, viewing, or they've seen a movie and they're like, okay, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. But the reality is a movie, a documentary, um, uh, a book or whatever, though it's a part of the process, is not the totality of it. And so what happens is right. they want to use the same um, privileged privilege position and they want to go forward. Well, you use your privileged position not as a leader, as a listener. Um, get quiet yourself. Don't talk so much. Soak in the information <laughs> and then find mentors, find people that are going to be able to give you the truth, build relationship with, and uh, and understand how important and significant that is. I think so many people, because they're used to always shouting or talking or leading, they can't follow. And good leaders have been fo- great followers first. And so it's important for my white brothers and sisters to follow, to listen, to be quiet, to get humble and recognize that you have, uh, you're on a journey and you have something to learn. Yes. Yes, it is a journey. And um, I think we've, we both have kind of mentioned this already, but it's work. And I, yes. I feel like when I see people and again i think it's great i think it's great that people want to be a part of this cause it's necessary uh, that we stop invalidating and doing those things that that people have a tendency to do and it's necessary that we challenge the system and we speak up and that we are anti-racist i'm all for it but when i see people posting uh, these things and they're suddenly a part of this cause I want to say like, but are they really going to be committed to this? And that's where I feel like, I agree with you. I don't think that we can put a number of days, weeks, or months on it, but I definitely think there has to be, like you're saying, like that you need to sit back and listen and learn and not lead and not shout from the rooftops, um, even though you may think that that's the right thing to do in all of your zeal. I think that what I would say to people that want to join this cause is that you need to understand that it's, that it's work. It's a journey. Like you just said, Julian, and it is a lifestyle being anti-racist. And when we say that we mean challenging the systems that keep racism alive and well, like we are, we, we systemically we are a we are like julian said like it is like we live under a in a in a nation that is ruled by white supremacy whether we want to admit that or not white is the default um i grew up learning that and i knowing that and understanding that um that white was always just going to be better um, you know, that's just, that's just what it was. If there was, you know, if there was me and a white girl, well, it's going to be the white girl and not me because white is the default. And so we have to understand that. And we have to recognize that every single day we have to challenge that. And so what I say to people that want to join this cause is that you need to understand that it is a work. It is a journey. It's not just posting something on social media. It's really learning and listening and understanding and choosing to uh, give up some power because there is power if you are if you are white and again like these are things that I understand 
are hard for a lot of white people to understand, to accept that you do have a certain power that I do not have, that Julian does not have. And being a part of this work and being anti-racist does, is not, is not about posting something on social media, but it's about giving up that power. And part of giving up that power is doing like what you just said, Julian, listening, sitting back, not leading, listening, learning. And I see people, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for moms of black children or multicultural families. And, um, and I, I see it every single day. It's so hard for these women, these white women to give up that power. And um, I don't understand that, but I don't understand it because I've never had that power. I've always, you know, I, I've never had that. I don't understand what it is to have to give that up. And so, yeah, listen, again, I don't think that there is a time period either, but I think it's more than a week or a day. Absolutely. And you, you said, well, it's a lifestyle, you know, and I think that, you know, what I'd say is the process of giving up, um, you know, feels differently if I see it as an investment. Mm -hmm. So I give up power every day as a parent. Um, I invest it. And so I invest it, then I'm, there's going to be a return. If I see right. it not as a subtraction from me, but I am adding. So it's not, an, it's not a minus sign to me. It's a plus sign for you. Um, you know, Nelson Mandela wrote a book um, in 1994 called um, The Long Walk to Freedom. And uh, it talks about, you know, he was incarcerated for 27 years um, before he became the president of South Africa. And, you know, his story has been, you know, um, you know, talked about a lot, but we have to understand that this is a long walk. You know, it's not a week, it is a lifestyle. And if I see this, um, right. you know, scenario as a place I visit, a place I vacation mm -hmm. to, um, I see this as mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, a, 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 a woke or justice um, timeshare, you know what, I'm not gonna be very effective. Um, and so this isn't a place I visit, it's a place I live. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. me actually incorporating this process and this mindset into my life. It's not a diet, it's me learning how to live healthy in a way because there's sustainability yes. to, to sustained investment and incremental change. We're not gonna be able to flip this thing in an afternoon. We didn't get here in an afternoon. We're not gonna change in an afternoon, but we're never gonna change it if we don't face it and we don't take the long walk to freedom that our brother Nelson um, uh, told us to do. Amen to that. That is, yes, <laughs> very true. So we always like to end our shows with tips. Sometimes we give homework, um, just practical things that people can do with the information that they've, that they have taken in, in an episode. So what is something that you would give a tip or a, even a piece of homework that you would give our listeners who say, yes, I want to do this. I want to be a part of, of this healing and uh, I want to be anti-racist. What is something uh, that you would have them do that something practical that they could do today or within before the next episode, you know, within. Absolutely. So, so first thing I would say is that you understand that um, we have to defer um, in our process of learning. We, we lead and we defer. We lead and to defer. 
And so first as a book I want to recommend, it's called Native by Caitlin B. Curtis. Curtis, And it just came out, Identity, Belonging, Rediscovering God. It tells this racial justice story um, from a perspective of uh, a Native American. You know, we have a tendency to uh, not have different voices at the table. So when's the last time we were talking about indigenous people that were on this continent? Why are we having a greater discussion in terms of uh, right. Spanish people um, mm -hmm. or, or people that have come from you know, Latin American countries? Why are we having that discussion and where there's, where's their voice in this conversation of justice? Um, when we, we, we have a situation where we have um, our brothers and sisters that originated from the continent of Asia experiencing racism at a whole new level because of, of many of the things of the stereotypes that are connected to the COVID-19 uh, virus. And so we got to have those discussions. And me as an African-American man, I have to recognize that though I have a lane, I still am always a learner. And there are times where I have to go from the right. teacher's position at the top front of the class and I have to sit and get in a desk and then allow somebody else to lead. And so I have to defer, though I've led, I defer leadership and I've become a learner now. And there's this deference, there's this learning, there's this leading. And so let's make sure that we're always in a position to be able to hear other people's stories and perspectives. Um, and so anyway, I would highly recommend that book. There's another great book called Biased um, by Jennifer um, Eberhardt, um, who that's so good. Oh my goodness, it's, it's crazy. Um, some of the things that she brings out in the book from a statistical standpoint. And there's a great documentary that um, I, I would recommend called uh, Many uh, Rivers to Cross. Um, and uh, uh, I'm totally blanking on my man's name, Many Rivers to Cross. Um, you, you know, look it up. Many, you know what? I'm actually going to try to look it up. Many wrote Many Rivers to Cross. Uh, it's a documentary. The documentary. Okay, no, many roads. I think it's many roads. Uh, many roads to cross documentary PBS. Henry Louis Gates. It's many rivers across with Henry Louis Gates. All right. So very, very good. Six episodes. Awesome. Is super enlightening um, and inspirational. Heartbreaking, but inspirational all at the same time. So documentary that could actually get into that in the next seven days. They could download that book, um, Native, or they can look at Bias. That would be a great start. And there's some extraordinary podcasts. Um, and like the Mocha Mamas podcast. Huh? There you go. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think it's just important for us to, it's important for us to get outside of our comfort zones and um and lean into another experience absolutely and so get those books i just ordered both of those books um as you were speaking and um i will i will watch that documentary because those are yeah those are can great I, can i add one more book all right <laughs> of course it's called yellow by yellow. frank Wu. race so in america beyond black and white it's a really, really good book. And he's got cool. some great stuff on YouTube that is also um, very, very enlightening and mind-blowing. 
looking up that one now too. Um, you've mentioned all these books that I have not read yet. So I'm going to order them. Thank you, Julian. Um, and I will add just something really, really simple, which was a starting point for me. And um, when I really jumped in into this um, work, because again, we've said it's work, it's a journey and um, it's just, I focused, the first thing I focused on, I did order books and Julian is like, I don't even know, like he reads a lot. And so, <laughs> um, I, and I read a lot last year. I, lo I, I love to read, but as a mom, and I want to say this because again, we talked to moms, it was really easy for me to use the excuse that like, oh, I'm busy, I'm a mom. And, you know, uh, but last year I read two to three books every single month in 2019. And um, as a mom, a single mom working, I think I had two, jo uh, two jobs and uh, crazy, you know, kind of busy, but I was able to make the time to read two to three books a month. And so I know how it is. If you are just, you're listening to this and you're saying like, I'll, I never will have the time to read those books. You can get them on audiobook. Um, there's just, you can, you can make the time to read these books if you're serious about this, this work and this cause. Uh, something really simple though that you can do is, is uh, add color to your feed, to your work, to, you know, social media is, I'm a big social media person. I love social yeah. media. It's my, it's what I do. Um, I love it. Uh, but it's, and I know not everyone loves it, but love it or not, like, unless you're not, not on it at all, it, it influences you. It has a major influence over us. And um, so my simple homework and I've mentioned this I mentioned this frequently on this podcast is change your feed add color to your feed add different voices um as you know as we said a few minutes ago white really is the the default here and so um it's amazing to me how hard sometimes I have to look for to add color in certain arenas in certain um areas and so whatever whatever it is i'm not even saying that like all of this yes you should listen uh julian is a great person to follow uh when it comes to racism and um the the conversations that we're having today but even outside of that whatever your interest is um as a mom i and it's hard, I will tell you, it is hard to find non-white mom bloggers to follow and mom, um, but like that's the space that I'm in. And so I work really hard to find the Latina moms, the black moms, the Asian moms, and to fill my feed with that. So whatever your area of interest is, it doesn't just have to be um, in this conversation, but if you love music, Follow artists that are not white. Um, look for look for more color. If you like to to sew, or what, I don't know why I said sew because I've mm -hmm. never sewed a day in my life. But whatever it is that you like to do, <laughs> you like to cook. Another thing I don't do. Um, but a lot of moms seem to like to cook. So if you cook or bake or whatever it is, like look for uh, the people, the influencers in that space that are not white. I'm not saying you can't follow white people. I'm just saying that like that is. It's so easy to find that. And I think that uh, specifically white people, because you don't have to think about that, you probably don't, right? 
Like you don't think like, but like what I do, I, I look and I'm like, man, is there anyone? Um, I did this. I don't, you probably don't know much about this, Julian, but like in the mom blog world or Instagram world, there's, they always do these like massive giveaways where they give away stuff that's like hundreds of dollars. I never enter because they always want you to follow like 60 people to win. It's not worth, I just don't want to do that. But the other day there was a really good giveaway. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to enter. And so I went to the list and this is how my mind works. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I know that this is not how a white woman's mind works. Um, and so I went to follow the people and I'm going through and I'm like, dang, 59 people. There were, I had to follow 59 people. Do you know how many weren't white of those 59 people? Well, one of them I was already following. That's how I found the giveaway. She's not white. I was already following her, a Latina. Two, two, well, three, with, plus the one I was already following. Three out of 59, three out of 59 were not white. And so it's just so easy. If you're not intentionally trying to fill your world with diversity, it's so easy not to have it. And I, and, um, so challenge yourself in that. That's my homework. Like look for today, find 10 people and it doesn't have to be in this conversation, except number one should be Julian, but nine people that are not in this space that just maybe have a shared interest that you have that are not white. It, they don't have to be all black, they can be Asian, black, and you need to have more like the, um, you know, you need to follow indige indigenous people, Asian people, black people, Latinas, um, who were, and all, there's, a, you know, so many more within that. Um, but anyway, that's my homework. Find 10 people. That's good. Well, here's the thing I thought about as you were talking, if we live, we can't live a different, we can't live a life for everyone or mosaic life if we are segregated. So I can have a I can have a mosaic belief, but I have a segregated life, it's not gonna work. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. This was a Thank great you. conversation. Thank you for being here. It was, here. it was. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Mocha Mamas. We really want to know what you have to say about this subject. So we invite you to join us and further the conversation in our Mocha Mamas Facebook group. You can also reach out to us on social media. We are Mocha Mamas Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you loved today's episode, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It helps us to get word out about the Mocha Mamas podcast. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to our next conversation with you.